In the Ring with Eusebius Makaiser. Eusebius Makaiser. Welcome to another edition of In the Ring with Eusebius Makaiser. My guest today is Professor Pierre de Foss, who, of course, is a constitutional law expert and academic who writes into the public space on a range of issues in current affairs, um, but he does so through the lens of constitutionalism and has done so for many, many years and does, quite frankly, an absolutely fabulous job. So, what brings us to this podcast? Well, racism doesn't go out of fashion. Unfortunately, um, sometimes racism, besides being irritating always, sometimes it also raises interesting questions, normatively speaking, legally speaking. And one of those enduring questions in many ways is, can I be racist in my private space? And of course, the answer is maybe. Depends what you want to do in and with your private space. And I want to tackle that precise question when it comes to renting of property. If I only want to rent property to white people, would I be falling short of what the law says? And to help me tackle that question, I've asked Pierre to come on board because there's been another public example of this where someone had been told, sorry, we are a rental agency, but our client has been very clear here in Cape Town. They do not want people who do not fall into a certain racial category. Pierre, thanks so much for coming on my podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Eusebius. And first I must say, and you know how I feel about this, but I really mean it sincerely. Thank you so much for the job that you do relentlessly, day in, day out, year in, year out, fighting the trolls, patiently answering them, debunking their irrationalities, um, even as they try and trample in your dignity as well. You play an enormously important role in our public space. Well, uh, thanks for that. Um, it's one of the things that you do if you're in the public space. Yeah. You know, I criticize other people. So even if the criticism against me is irrational or hateful, it, you know, I take it as par, par for the course. So let's go there exactly, right? And answer the question head on. If mm. I am leaving South Africa, I'm going to Perth tomorrow, but I still want to keep my property and lease it out. Can I tell the rental agency doing it on my behalf, please make sure that you don't get um, <clears throat> peers, friends of ill repute uh, to live in my property, um, euphemism for all those fabulous queer black friends of his. Um, I only want people of European descent, if you know what I mean, to stay in my property. Would that be illegal? Yes, it will be legal in two ways. Uh, there is actually legislation, the Rental uh, Property Act, which says it's a criminal offence for the owner of the property or for the, the agent who is renting out that property, is the agent of the owner, to discriminate unfairly on any ground. So it's not only race, it's sexual orientation, gender, whatever. Um, it's prohibited. But, of course, it's unfair discrimination. So, uh, in our law, distinctions that are made on the basis of race, sex, gender, sexuality, and so on, is discrimination always. Um, but it's only unlawful if it's unfair. Um, and that is tricky in the sense that, uh, as I explained in the piece I wrote, if you rent out a property to be a shelter for women who have 
been the victims of gender-based violence and you don't have men, it's going to be fair discrimination, not unfair, because it's not perpetuating stereotypes, the patterns of disadvantage and harm that is the, the, the true harm of discrimination or some of the harm. And so <clears throat> it will not always be uh, um, prohibited, but when it comes to racial discrimination, specifically uh, of white people against black people, it will be very difficult to imagine many situations where the discrimination would be fair and not unfair. So, so as a general proposition, when it comes to renting, if you do it you are, uh, and you, you say that black people cannot apply, you are uh, committing a criminal offence and the agent that you use uh, to perpetuate this will also be committing a criminal offence. So if the unfairness of the discrimination will depend on contextual facts, such as why are you doing it, who is the group that you are discriminating in favour of, as it were, then just out of interest, I wonder as a matter of principle, given that black people, interestingly, have systemically, historically been discriminated against, can I have an exclusionary policy that is race-based, but which excludes white people rather than black people? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. So um, this is an issue not only for the Rental Housing Act, because the equality law, the promotion of equality and prevention of unfair discrimination act, also uses this concept of unfair discrimination. And there the, the court has said, you have to look at all the relevant factors, but basically you look at the position of the complainant, the group that they belong to. Is this a group that has been previously discriminated against, continue to be discriminated against? If the group being discriminated against black people uh, is, are black, black, then it will be much more difficult to show that the discrimination is fair and not unfair. Not impossible, but much more difficult. <laughs> I think it's so and interesting, look, isn't it? Because I can imagine yeah. someone, someone listening to this conversation going, oh my God, listen, listen to those two gay men there. They want everything. <laughs> not only do they want you to make it impossible for me to only rent out my property to white people, even though it's my property, but they want to allow someone else to say they only want to rent their property to black people. Yeah. So, For example, you might well, say, they, you know, they, historically, we've had such an underrepresentation of black people here in Constantia yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that, that would be an interesting argument. Um, it's not so easy or so simple. I, I wish I could make it easier to understand, but because the court also says you look at the purpose of the so called quote unquote discrimination. So yes, it's course. for a laudable purpose. Yes. So. Yeah. So if you if your purpose is to exclude white people, it's just pure animus. You just hate white people. Absolutely. It will be more difficult to justify the discrimination mm. as fair. And right than if so. you say we are we are young queer black men, we we feel that we want to rent to people who are not going to threaten us, who's not going to make our lives miserable. Uh, because we're going to maybe share the house with them, that will be different. So it is a bit subtle. Mm. Some cases, like the case that we are discussing now, are where the rental agent basically said, admitted that it was racial discrimination, clearly based on racial prejudice. That is an easy one. Sure. The other cases becomes a little bit more yeah. difficult, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But also, but also, what's important, right? I mean, we're having fun just because we can be nerdish and, and push the principal level of the debate. We've got to keep it real, shouldn't we, Pierre? The 
so-called easy case from an analysis point of view that is the mm-hmm. dominant real world case yes although it is it is not necessarily the dominant case in this sense that normally the agent or the owner is not going to be so stupid to actually to admit to the discrimination that is why the law doesn't require you to prove that there was intention you you only have to show there was different treatment and then you look at whether it was fair or unfair um and we know most cases the agent will say when the black person found well it's already been taken the the it's been let out in the same way you go to a a club and they will say you can't come in because you're not dressed properly people use all of these other things yeah um uh, and mm. so in that sense of course it doesn't mean that this is not pervasive it happens a lot maybe even sometimes the people who discriminate believe in their hearts that they're not discriminating yeah as you as you privately experienced yeah. when someone said to mm. you that and i was mm. only half saying this in jest but anyone who follows pierre's blog and writings over the years will be aware of some of the personal examples that he has shared and teased out uh, in service of making general arguments in the law and also socio- socio- sociologically and ethically that um, someone can complain if you're in a complex and say you really bring way too many people to to your flat that are of ill repute they are loud they are mm-hmm. noisy etc and each of the individual points may be quite literally as a proximate description of what your neighbor experience may be true uh, but of course you were brave and honest enough to put it to them what they are really trying to say yes so uh, well um i told the the neighbor that why does she say the people who come to visit me are ill repute they are gay they are well dressed they happen to be black um but that's the only reason and she shut up she didn't respond to that and uh, since then we are well friendly as as one can be with one's neighbors in suburbia term so so it's interesting that if especially if you are a white person you do not always we do not always call this out mm-hmm. um because it's awkward we feel embarrassed we feel implicated absolutely uh, but if you do sometimes people will get very angry and sometimes they will actually stop what they're doing they might think it privately but they will stop it publicly there are two themes i wanted to explore with you about what is sitting beneath this constitutional argument mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. the non-legal stuff that is important that the constitutional law and other legal sources piggyback on and um I thought about whether to warn you beforehand but I thought you know what I mean you've lived a long time you know what discrimination is like as a queer person in all sorts of ways we can finish each other's sentences with examples so we'll just do it dynamically some people will say intuitively that they accept the constitution is our best selves our ideal selves mm-hmm. but that its primary purpose while acknowledging not its exclusive not its exclusive purpose is to regulate how we behave particularly in the public space and the relationship between the state and citizens and they may grudgingly after years of listening to a peer de force accept that of course the constitutional values also do make some inroads into citizen on citizen relations and into the private sphere but for goodness sake surely there must be a limit Well there are of course always uh, limits but 
the, the thing about the South African constitution that is maybe slightly different from the, like, the constitutions of 50 or 100 or 200 years ago, uh, the US constitution and so on, is that it recognizes that power is not only wielded by the state or by public bodies. Power is often, especially in the modern capitalist uh, economy, is wielded often by private companies or private institutions. And it has Absolutely. a huge impact on how we live our lives. Oh, so yeah, yeah. if you travel through the, through the country and every hotel or, or bed and breakfast says, well, we are not going to allow black people here, mm. it has a huge impact on you. It's not something that it's private. It is public because mm. they offer a public service. Mm. It will be different, of course, if it is you deciding who you're inviting to your own dinner party, mm. the law is not going to go there because you other people are not, uh, the public is not affected uh, directly and in a harmful way by your prejudice and your exclusion. But as soon as you offer something, uh, service, anything to the public, you are infringing on people's rights in a way that has real and fundamental consequences. And the constitution tries and acknowledge that. Of course, the constitution is, is a document that is sort of, as you said, it's trying to, to, to mirror what we want the world to be. And the law is not always very good at, at uh, catching mm. and rectifying those private instances because you have to take it to court. You need to have the money. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have to show, you have to prove the, mm. the basics. So it's not as always perfectly effective, course, yeah. but it is as a basic premise mm. of our constitution that private power is dangerous just as much as public power. Is I, you, you know, it's my, my, my job in part to play devil's advocate with these things, but honestly, I think that is just so obviously compelling. I, I can't see why so many people put back against it and and i can i can kind of guess which we'll also talk about but but i just want to reinforce it even though you, you've been very clear on it and it's it's the age-old distinction isn't it between if i want to make wedding cakes for free only for white people it is still undesirable to do so constitutionally and morally but the state would be truly objectionably anti-democratic to stop me but at the point at which I only sell them to white people at the church bazaar, there is a difference there. Can you explain one last time to someone who broadly shares your values, but who is not convinced that commerce should be regulated in that kind of way, what it is about commerce that ought to be regulated in that kind of way, even if it feels like your freedom is being in, is being encroached upon yes so so we we are public beings and we uh, for better or for worse one of the f most important ways in which we are social social sociable with other people how we engage is through commerce especially if you have a bit of money you go to a restaurant you go to the tavern you you rent a uh, holiday flat or um, mm. you buy a cell phone you go into the store if the people are uh, say racist 
and you go into the store and the security start following you and hound you out of the store, it fundamentally affects your quality of life. And uh, if, you are not, if you are not strong about it, your sense of worth and all of those things. So it is not harmless. It is not something that is victimless. Mm. It, it, is, it is profoundly harmful exactly because most of what we do every day is not an engagement with state officials and the uh, and with the government, it is with private uh, and commercial institutions uh, who uh, who also has a lot of money and uh, to pay with lawyers to to challenge or to protect themselves again against the consequences of the action. Brilliant, beautifully put. Which brings me to the final <laughs> the final theme, which is, I think, and I wonder whether you share this with me that a lot of people if not almost all of them, who defend the idea that I should be allowed to rent out my property to whoever I want to, including in a, in a racially exclusive way, that um, they pretend to be defending a right to freely use your private property as you wish, as a basic constituent part of property rights. But of course, what they are not owning up to because no one wants to be seen as being indecent, is that what they really want to defend is a non-existing right to be racist. Mm. Yes, so so that is uh, correct. I, Of course, I agree with that. It's often, it's like the freedom of expression kind of arguments with Gareth Cliff now, where people don't want to actually defend what they're really defending, so they appeal to a higher constitutional right or yes. value... <laughs> So that we don't have to have the discussion here. We don't have to defend our position. We can appeal to this higher law as if, even if you had that right, as if that stops your responsibility for being ethical or not, uh, or crit- uh, protects mm. you from criticism for mm. being a racist uh, fool. So, mm. so that is very important. Um, there's actually uh, interesting um, uh, research paper done by Professor Danny Bradler from Pretoria about how... Uh, suburbs, people in the suburbs also use certain mechanisms to protect their suburb really from being getting integrated and, you know, having gated communities, having all these things. Uh, It's a kind of privatization um, of of apartheid, if you want to use a bit incendiary to use that terminology, but it's it's a kind of a protection of privilege in a way that is then coached as rights, as autonomy, as private property protection, and and the like, um, which doesn't mean you, you you have no rights as the owner of a private property, but there are limits. There are even limits to what you can build on a private property. You have to get approval. It's not as if the law doesn't limit your right to ordinarily in a million yes. ways. Mm. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. That's uh, spot on. I mean, absolutely beautifully put. You closed off that column, that latest blog entry on constitutionallyspeaking.co.za by making a point that is important to make and remake and remake and remake that even if, I mean, you didn't entirely say the first part, but I'm adding the first part, you said the second part, even if we can't guarantee that we change the heart of the racist, it is still important for there to be consequences for racism. 
Yes. So in the same way that most people will say there need to be consequences for politicians who do bad things. And so there need to be consequences for racists um, because often the changes in the, the people's attitudes come through there being consequences. First, they will just be quiet and they try and avoid but it changes the dynamic. It changes the the, the normative assumptions that people have, um, and so uh, in in that sense, I think it's important that people who do have the resources, who are strong enough emotionally, who who have maybe access to lawyers or whatever, challenge these things. Go to the Equality Court. Go to the Housing Rental Housing Tribunal. If you can't do it, I know not everybody is in a position to do it, and. Some we, many people are vulnerable. They depend on the person who's discriminating against them for something or another. But it is really important, I feel, to to if you have the the, the means to try and challenge this, because it does. I believe. Maybe I'm I'm optimistic about the possibilities of the law, but I do believe that it makes a difference, um, and it is also ethically. It's, it's, it's ethically a good thing to do. And personally, having with my former partner, having taken yeah. a, a club to the Equality Court and won, it is extremely satisfying if you win the case. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. A, bon- knowing a, yeah, a bonus, bonus point. I mean, a bo- bonus question to throw in. You, you've already said it, but just to blow it out in case someone thinks that they can get away with with their own legal and ethical duty on account of not being the primary racist in the chain of racism. It's really interesting that the estate agent and agency can't turn around, as I understand your blog entry, and say, Mm. I'm just the messenger, dude. Mm. Yes, because the way in which that Section 4 of the Rental Housing Act is written, it says either the landowner, the landlord, or the duly delegated agent um, is prohibited from unfairly discriminating. And not only in the renting out of the property, in also in the way they treat the lessee, the person who actually rents the property, because we also know all the stories, um, although Gareth Cliff will say that it is not valid to have personal <laughs> stories, but we know that people who are in a complex that is dominantly white, they are often, in some cases at least, they are policed because they are black. And that itself, if you can show that this is based on racial discrimination, Mm -hmm. that itself is also prohibited Mm -hmm. by the law. Pierre, brilliant insights. Eloquently put, as always, I will leave you to enjoy the rest of your battery life while waiting for HCOM to give you power again. Thanks so much for coming on my platform. Okay. Uh, Thank you. It was a pleasure and it was nice. It was a nice chat. Thanks. (laughs) Cheers. (laughs) 